Welcome back to the Mind Over Movies Game Show! I'm your host, Casey Hubbard. And I'm your host, Isaac Yuda. Today, we have a very special treat for you. We're going to start the show off with some trivia. And who better to answer than our own Isaac Udodge? All right, wait. Let's get into it. First question, Isaac. Casey, wait, how does this work? Soviet montage theory is an approach to understanding and creating cinema that relies heavily upon editing. It is the principal contribution of Soviet film theorists to global cinema, mainly by which Soviet filmmaker? I, I, Casey, that's really hard. I, I don't know. Your life depends on it, Isaac. Uh, Soviet montage theory. Uh, Russian film. Russian film. The the battleship Potemkin. Shit. Who directed that? You have three seconds, Isaac. Uh, uh the 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 Running Man. Uh oh. Looks like you have to go in the Forever box. The correct answer was Sergei Eisenstein. Better luck next time. Casey, wait. Please. Join us next week to see if Isaac can escape before his oxygen runs out. <laughs> Welcome back to Mind Over Movies. I'm Casey. I'm Isaac, and, and luckily enough time has passed. Two weeks, uh, mm-hmm. by my guesstimate, since I escaped the box of doom. I, I got to brush up on my trivia. I'll t- I tell you what. I tell you what. <laughs> yes. We, um, we are back from our uh, hiatus. That's how yeah, I say it hiatus. It's a very short hiatus. Yeah. You know. But uh, th- a lot happened. Um, Casey got married. Uh, yeah. I... I see that you changed your last name. Actually, the intro is no longer accurate. It's it's Casey Cox now. Yeah, I've heard. Um, that's very exciting. Last name Cox, first name Legend. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like in Friends when the Friends cast members got married and then they all changed their name to Cox. So in solidarity, <laughs> I'm also Isaac Cox now. <laughs> That's C-O-X, by the way. Yeah. You little cheekies. Oh, my God. Well, what what have you been up to movie-wise? Movie-wise? I I was terrible. I procrastinated watching any movies. And by procrastinated, I mean just like the opportunity did not arise until the day before we recorded this podcast. I watched like three movies (laughs) really in one day in what well here's what happened is i started one on saturday morning and then i started another one with someone else on saturday night and then those both became two-parters so (laughs) i finished them both yesterday but then also i watched one in between (laughs) dang it's probably the most disorganized film watching ever but yeah i had a good time so well i was also horrible i was looking at what all i've logged on letterbox and i I mean i log everything on letterbox so the Mm. last film like we watched Zack snyder's justice league and then yeah after that i have four things that are listed and only uh one of them is a film that I haven't seen before. One's a, a mini series, and the other two are Pixar movies <laughs> that I rewatched. Oh man! Well, so, uh, what's what's the mini series? If I might. Oh, it's uh, it is uh, you know, it's a little little Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, I also which, started. I mean, that's not even done yet. Yeah, true, true. I speaking of mini series, I also started watching a docu series about QAnon. That's pretty interesting. Oh. Into the Storm? Yeah. I, I've i been meaning to watch that. Every time I go on HBO Max, I see that. I, um, I've i been watching The Sopranos on there. I finished season one since nice. we last 
did our podcast, so I've been I've been meaning to watch some other stuff that uh, HBO has to offer. Well, they've got a huge documentary selection that I've been kind of like picking through and seeing what I want to watch, and the Into the Storm is a newer one on there, and I, uh, it looked interesting, and it is very informational, very informative. Um, yeah, I, I hear I had, that they they have like a theory, like a pretty grounded theory about who started the the Q anon. Oh, like, really? I'm not. Craze, I guess I'm not yeah. there yet. I'm only on episode two, but. Um, oh yeah, apparently it just ended or something. My bad. I didn't mean to spoil oh, anything. Oh no, no, you My didn't roommate spoil Blake's that. been watching it. <laughs> oh yeah, I I mean I figured they would have a theory. Like about like at the end of the show, maybe they have the theory. But right now, I'm just like since it's only episode two, they're just talking about like what Ollie's doing, like uh, or like basically catching everybody up to speed, I guess. Um, but it's super interesting, um, crazy. If y'all don't know anything about QAnon, then uh, just watch the Q Into the Storm on HBO Max. Honestly, I had no, I had, I knew nothing about it, and now I understand it completely because the documentary does a really good job of um, going through basically the events that led up to what you know the massive following that this uh, conspiracy kind of thing has. I don't know, but yeah, and uh, wow, pretty cool. I, I think I'll definitely be checking it out. I, I do want to follow up on that first series you threw out there, though. Um, I'm all caught up on Falcon and Winter Soldier now, too. Yeah, and I caught up last I night. I guess this is our spoiler-free discussion right now. We'll probably do another one of oh, those yeah. longer-form videos when it finishes its run. But what what do you think so far? Just like I thoughts. am, honestly, after this third episode, I'm a little unsure. Originally... Really? Originally, I thought it, excuse me, I thought it was pretty good, and then I, I was liking it better than WandaVision. I thought the story was a little bit more cohesive, you know, and in, like, it was, uh, it was tighter than the WandaVision story. You know, WandaVision had too many eggs in its basket. I remember that's kind of what me and you kind of essentially boiled down it, it down to, uh, when it came to, like, the end of its, um, the last couple episodes. It was just, you know, too many eggs in one basket. You know, yeah. got, you know, too big for its uh, what it started out as. You know, with Falcon and the Winter and I, Soldier, I think, like definitely very Marvel fied by the yeah, end. Of yeah, yeah. You know, like the the yeah. start of it was something super fresh, and then by the end, it was like, oh, this is the MCU. There's no mistaking yeah. it. You know. Yeah, I yeah yeah, and and I thought Falcon and the Winter Soldier was going to be different in that when the first episode aired. It was super grounded, you know, exploring the characters. But with the second and third episode, just the writing, to me, is just getting weirder and weirder. Like, the choices they're making with the plot lines, it it doesn't make any... Especially in the third uh, episode, no spoilers, but the third episode has a whole storyline that absolutely makes no freaking sense to me like it would not it would not happen like it just would not happen with these characters and and another thing that really bugs me about the show is the directing i think it is awfully directed like the camera angles are annoying it is it is trying to be something it is not and it is it 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 bugs me like every time like the editing and the camera work they suck in this show it's the worst the mm. mcu has ever had i will say that right now i do not care yeah. i hate it i i will say this is between this and wandavision this feels like it's on a tv budget like i don't know like yeah. i didn't notice myself thinking that too much during wandavision but like this definitely looks like it was made for the small screen and and not in like the a complimentary way like it just has tv show effects now yeah yeah like the the usual higher standard we're used to with uh with the mainstream marvel movies um and it, it i think like the russo brothers definitely got this like actiony thriller 
directing style down for like the mainline movies like winter soldier the movie is one of the best in all of the mcu i even really like civil war i think that's Mm -hmm. a very entertaining movie um i think what's going on here is that they're trying to replicate the russo brothers style which is weird because the russo brothers did start out on tv so you would think it would be you know pretty conducive to to this television show to copy them but Mm -hmm. it's it's not working really Mm -hmm. and i think that the only moments of direction that i'm really appreciating were in this last episode because the the director of john wick came on and Mm. directed this episode and i i i don't know what you think about you know the action because you haven't really delved into that yet but i think that is pretty stellar now or at least in this last episode i was i was really feeling it and i was like oh my gosh this is this is pretty gritty for a Marvel show, and I like that aspect of it. I I one hundred percent agree uh, with the grittiness and the action is good, um, and and even some of the slower moments, like for example the the yeah. the when they um, mm, I don't want to spoil anything, but you're gonna know what I'm talking about if I speak in code. In the second episode, they go to see a certain character towards the end of the episode, yeah, and it's this big reveal. Um, and that is really just like, I'm very surprised that Marvel went there, you know, like they've usually Mm -hmm. they're, they're so quick to pander to their, their, the Chinese, uh, box office and meet their, you know, requests and stuff. And, uh, but with this show, um, they're just, it's very political and it's, I'm liking how political and how gritty it is in its politics and how just, uh, unashamed they are to show that uh, America would do, or the world, pretty much the world, would do shitty things after a major event like, you know, Thanos' snap. Like the, the global, um, uh, I, I don't know, I remember what it's called, but it's, it, it's the uh, agency that uh, basically puts people back in their, like, home countries like oh yeah like after the blimp i can't remember what they're called but i was like oh my god that is like that's genius like that absolutely would happen you know there's no denying it um so you know Um, they're really good at seeing stuff like that um but i i don't know the the writing of the of the superhero stuff is, is just not what i'm liking i i will say also on the political front you know, this is something that's always been very frustrating with Marvel movies is that they will often put a very intriguing um, ideology into their villain. Um, and it's one that often the audiences can agree that it makes sense. But then, because the movie has to have its villain be, well, a villain, they'll often take very cheap um, story twists to um to make you disagree with that villain even though their plan is something that you might agree with like i would say killmonger and black panther was a great example of that where like everything that dude's saying kind of makes sense to me but then the movie has to vilify him you know he has to do something like dastardly mm-hmm. even though it doesn't seem to agree with everything else he's been saying you know it's just kind of like a 180 and i feel like this show is doing that with a faction um and oh my god it's so hard to not talk spoilers and it's it's very tempting to because this is like a mid-season finale what we Mm -hmm. just saw this is only gonna be six episodes i mean hey we can talk about spoilers if you we want to put a disclaimer no 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 you know what? i'll keep it vague okay i'm i'm just gonna say at the end of episode three Mm -hmm. there's a very cheap story turn to make you root against people that I honestly, up to that point in the series, thought made sense. Um, oh, Like right. their ideology and their views. Yeah. And it's just like, and the story reasoning is very flimsy. There's just like one di- line of dialogue that's like, well, you know, we have to do that because we're like the bad guys. It's, <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I kind of was like, what? <laughs> yeah, but... I don't know. I, I'm interested to see where it goes, but I, I feel you 
when you say like the stories aren't really panning out like they're making sense and i especially think that i'm a little disappointed with the chemistry between the leads it it feels like marvel has regressed into like quipping Mm -hmm. like every few seconds and like when they're on screen together it doesn't seem like you get those very serious character moments anymore. It's just all quips. But when they're on their own, I think these are very intriguing characters and the show has fun with their backstories and exploring Mm -hmm. what their motivations are. It's just like, if for a show that's premise is like, these people are supposed to be together and supposed to be a team. Like it is weird to see that like, none of that dynamic is explored and it's just substituted for like yeah jokes uh i I was gonna say for a show who's what that's premise is is banking on the fact that you like these two characters together i find that the when the characters are separated from each other they get a lot more valuable screen time you know like the screen time is used wisely and i like their characters separately but when they're together you know, I, I don't know, and I, I don't even know. Shut up, computer. I don't even know like why Bucky and Sam like don't like each other in the first place. Like, like I know the Winter Soldier and Civil War they had like a, a little rivalry or whatever, but like, I don't know. It just seems like a like a forced relationship by Marvel, you know, and and just so yeah, they can, and and it shows. It really does because. Um, their chemistry is not the best chemistry. Like they have chemistry on screen a little bit, but it's not mm-hmm. the best chemistry I've ever seen. I, I think Paul Bettany and and Elizabeth Olsen had way better chemistry uh, than these. Two, oh yeah, than these two do, and and that's just insane to me. Um, I would have never thought like, oh yeah, Vision and Wanda are gonna be my favorite on right? screen set of characters <laughs> in a year when they were like some of the least developed marvel characters up until this point yeah and that's the thing that you know you and i have talked about is going into the series i was really hoping that bucky was going to get a lot of development and so far i mean yeah he is getting development it just feels like anytime sam wilson is with him that development stops and it's the same for sam like i want to see him in more stuff too like they started and, his development in episode one, and then I feel like it's been halted so far with Sam and Bucky. Yeah, and also I think it's fair to say that one of the subplots is a lot more interesting and attention grabbing than the other. Ah, uh, yeah. Weird. It's weird right now that we're focusing so much on the one that you know the audience doesn't care about as much. You know? mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying you have to give the audience what they want, and I'm sure we're building to something. It's just right now you know trusting in the process is definitely my main Mm -hmm. mindset and it's not necessarily fully enjoying what is going on yeah Um, but yeah a cryptid cryptid discussion of Mm -hmm. falcon and winter soldier um i i have been watching another show though another superhero show that just started that i'm really really enjoying and i wonder if you've heard anything about it um have you heard about invincible no okay it is a amazon prime original and it's based on a comic by robert kirkman who is the the creator of the walking dead right and this is a very interesting superhero show i don't want to spoil too much about it because it's got one of these like crazy first episodes where something monumental like changes you know and that in itself might even be too much of a spoiler but like it it's very reminiscent of like the boys to Mm -hmm. me okay i I know what you're talking about now it's animated isn't it yeah it's animated and it's got a fucking killer cast like stephen young is the main character invincible his dad is jk simmons his mom holy crap yeah, it, it, like all of the side characters too are Mark, like famous Mark, people. Wow. Like if you look it up, yeah, Mark Hamill's in there too. Yeah, yes, Mark Hamill shows up. Seth Rogen shows up. Oh, um, yeah, I gotta watch it, dude. Yeah, I, I, I'm even like maybe wanting to have this conversation about it later 
but it's doing uh this cool thing that the boys season two did which it released its first three episodes when it launched and then now they're doing weekly episodes so we're on episode four now out of like eight for the season nice sorry i i I feel like i cut you off no no you cut out uh for a second on on discord but you came back in so i I got confused oh dope um um but but, yeah uh, i need to watch the boys and the invincible (laughs) i still haven't i feel like you would really like the boys too Yeah. yeah season one of the boys especially is really good and i mean season two is good too it's just like they're they're clearly setting up stuff now oh right right i feel like that's a big problem with a lot of shows especially Mm -hmm. superhero shows is the first season they take a lot of risks because they're like oh i don't know if we're gonna get renewed or not Mm -hmm. and then they deliver this like exemplary first season and of course they're renewed and i feel like it gives them pause to like take as many risks in a lot of shows second seasons you know like I, I especially thought this with The Flash on the CW. Like, it seemed like season two repeated a lot of old territory. And season two of The Boys, um, definitely no spoilers here, but, like, it just felt like not as much happened and it was a lot of setup to, like, what will hopefully be a more interesting season three. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm not into that. Like, I think yeah. that each season should have you know its own arc yeah feels like it wraps up satisfactorily you know like can we can we get like movie level quality storytelling in each season of a show you you don't get to just relax because you had a really good season i don't know yeah yeah uh yeah i agree uh i feel like breaking bad did that the best you know like i can i can clearly Mm -hmm. define the line between seasons one, two, three, four, and five of that show, because they all had their own storyline, like their own arc, but within one giant storyline. And even season five, they split yeah. it up. Like yeah, half of season five aired, and then it came back the next year. And there's even distinct story arcs that mm-hmm. wrap up in that first section. It's so exactly great. Like yeah. It, you you never leave that show feeling like well maybe it'll be better next year you know you always no. think like how are they going to top this yeah yeah where does it go from here there's a, there's a reason that show is like revered as one of the greatest television shows ever made it's because it does everything possible correctly like it just does it all right you know mm-hmm. um and more shows need to be like that and I really want to watch I, I The agree. Boys, and I really want to watch Invincible now, so thanks. I got yeah, more just, stuff to just binge. Yeah, just tune into Invincible. I feel like we could have a really long discussion about that show, too. Mm-hmm. Just even after its first episode, I'm, I'm curious of what your thoughts will be. Don't don't look anything up. If I won't. I won't. I'll, I'll go in blind. Oh. Okay. Dope. But speaking of animated TV shows, uh, Solar Opposite Season 2 came out, and I binge-watched that in like two days. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's out on Hulu right now, and it's really good. Is it better than Season 1, would you say? Um, I think they're about the same. I think I like Season 1 a little bit better, um, but like Season 2 seems to be... Um, the chaos level, you know, for season one was like 50%. Season two, it's like 150%. Like, like crazy shit happens like in every episode that it's just, it's like, what is going on? But it's really funny. Um, and the wall is back. That storyline is back. And, uh, oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That was definitely my favorite part of the first season. Definitely. And I, and I, they're renewed for a season three and they're working on season three right now. They said, and, and, uh, I watched, um, season two, uh, we were kind of talking about buildup. The wall in season two kind of feels like a buildup. It has its own arc, its own story, but at the end, it's a big cliffhanger at the end and it's setting up some things that are going to happen in the next few seasons. Uh, and I, there's an interview with like Dan or Justin Roiland and 
uh, can't remember the other creator's name, but um, I think Rick McCallum or something like that. Something like that. I, might I really be out of pocket. I don't. Yet. I don't think it's that one. But uh, either way, they were talking about uh, um, what they want to do for uh, Thomas Middleditch. Um, that's the other creator, or and my, or sorry, no, 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 Mike, Mike, Mc, Mike McMahon, Mike McMahon, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, <laughs> um, spelled M C M A H A N. Yeah, I, I don't know how you would say that. That's a but, hard name. Um, but yeah, anyway, they, but they said in the next couple seasons they have like uh, really big things planned for the wall, and it, it might not go the way you think it'll go. Um, but they think that they've got a pretty good story for it uh, panned out. And uh, the wall stuff in season two was really good, like really, really good. Um, and the alien stuff in season two with the actual solar opposites, it's um, they poke fun of Hulu a lot and they poke fun of other sitcoms and movies, kind of like how Rick and Morty um, likes to parody uh, stuff sometimes. They also do that. And it... Season two feels a little bit darker because, like the the aliens, their their hu- their uh, humor is darker, and um, mm. there's like I want like like no spoilers, but the the premise for one of the episodes is that they're all four trying to kill each other to fulfill themselves, like the they're gonna kill the replicants and and I, I don't know and the. Re- it's just really freaking crazy, but it's really good. I liked it. I think you should definitely, definitely watch it. Um, yeah, it's about as good as season one, I think. So, I'll, I'll, I'll catch up on that soon. I don't think, I don't think I'll end up binging it, but I'll, I'll, I'll work on it in the coming weeks. I, I did notice it dropped, and then I kind of forgot that it, it mm-hmm. dropped. So, I need to get around to it. Speaking of. Um, Justin Roiland, though, uh, did you see Rick and Morty's coming back this uh, June? I did. June was it June fifth. I'm I'm hype. Yeah, very soon. Which I I feel like this has got to be the quickest turnaround for that show. Uh, ever. yeah. You know, like, yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm glad for it too. I I don't know what they did other than like split up the seasons to like come out like six months after each other or what like if that helped with season four but if it means that we get rick and morty content that's spread out but more frequently like i'm i'm down yeah yeah i'm i'm uh, i'm down they um i was reading um an article about uh like where they are with the show and like uh, if they're like behind or anything and, and justin Rowland and dan Harmon both were like uh we're like way ahead of schedule like even the pandemic somehow sped up their process and they're to well, the they point they had a lot of time to work that, that's true that's true uh apparently they're they're already writing episodes for season seven season six they're what? already they're already working on season six wow yeah so that's like, incredible yeah that's how far ahead they are. So I'm very confident we're going to get episodes at a way faster pace now. Well, I do hope, though, that the quality stays high. Yeah. I think, um, I think a classic example of like a show that started putting out more, but it was like lower quality was Black Mirror. Like they started doing that every year. And yeah. that that definitely took a dip like after season three i think you know season four was like half shitty black mirror episodes half kind of good ones and then i would argue season five was mostly really forgettable like i don't i don't know what happened there do you watch black mirror uh i'm trying to watch it all i've only watched a handful of episodes and i gotta say i don't really like black mirror um my favorite episode is the Star Trek one, the USS Callister. That's my okay, favorite. Okay, that's that's a rare, really good one from season four. I like yeah. that one a lot. Um, I I really love that show. It's one of my favorites, but it, it's definitely gone downhill a lot in recent years. Mm-hmm. I think that seasons one through three, though, are really solid. And like you can watch those and pretty much any episode from those three seasons 
is going to be a pretty good one. I think there's like a couple of exceptions, but oh well. Um, but anyway, yeah, with Rick and Morty, I just really hope that even though they're making a lot more episodes, they stay really good because that's always been something about the show I've admired is that they wait until they have good ideas before they release it. You know, they're perfectionists. Mm-hmm. Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. That's what makes the show so good is that they're um, they refuse to to put out anything less than uh, what their standards are, and their standards are pretty pretty damn high. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually kind of insane. Uh, I don't I don't know. This is just crazy, but um, uh, yeah, I I'm it. excited. I I love it too. I am very excited. I I. Not afraid. To say, I'm a huge Rick and Morty fan. I and I hate saying. You're not that. afraid to say it. I well, <laughs> I am afraid to say it a little bit, but it makes me mad that I'm afraid to say it. But I am. I I freaking love that show, um, and uh, yeah, I love it so much too. I just I I definitely do feel a tinge of like embarrassment or like you know I I don't say it as openly as I might for other mm-hmm. shows. You know, yeah. I definitely want to make sure I'm around like a fan but even then not even a fan like if because there's just so many annoying and toxic people in that fan base it's yeah it's really hard to to want to say you're a part of it you know because the collective fucking sucks yeah oh. <laughs> i i kind of weird relationship with the fan base but definitely love the show yeah um speaking of like hbo max exclusive streaming shows like rick and morty uh have you seen uh godzilla versus kong yet i have not i i'm waiting to till a time where i can go watch it in the theater um with uh with donna we we really wanted to see it but we haven't she's been in fort smith i went to marshall uh for easter weekend and stuff um but who knows we might go see it tonight um, I did, however, I, uh, I uh, sneaked a little peek. I, uh, I got bored uh, the other night, and I went on HBO Max, and I watched, the, I watched a little snippet of one of the fights. And let me say, Ooh. I'm very impressed with what I saw. <laughs> uh, way better than the other Godzilla movies we've been getting um, with just camera work-wise and the fight sequences, like fighting-wise, you know, the good old classic kaiju monster fighting. Um from what I saw okay. and what I'm hearing, Godzilla vs. Kong is probably the best out of the MonsterVerse like saga so far. But what what did you you actually saw it? So what did you what did you think about it? Well, yeah, I, I watched it mainly because I thought you already watched it on like Friday night. My bad. Oh, oh no, you're. <laughs> you're I kind of I kind of like tried to make sure I got it in too before mm-hmm. before this episode. My bad, um, but. I, I have to vehemently disagree. I think when you watch the movie, you'll understand why it's not that great. Um, I think that it is about on par with... No, it's not on par with... I think this is much better than Godzilla, King of Monsters, which oh, is God. like an absolute mess of a movie. I, oh, I really awful. don't like that movie at all. Um, but I'm surprised to be looking back on the Gareth Edwards like 2014 Godzilla movie with like almost fondness now and mm-hmm. kind of like a why is it no longer like that mentality yeah because you know that movie had really shitty like human characters and everything like every problem that I have with these newer ones but there was something about the way they filmed the monsters in that original Godzilla movie and just like the payoff of the ending that felt so satisfying that I notice I don't really get with these newer movies. And then, like, let me also say that Godzilla vs. Kong has probably got the worst human character aspects yet. Like, it was bad in um, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and there was probably more screen time devoted to it there. But somehow they've managed to make it even more grating to watch any of these on-screen human characters go around and do anything bro like, it, 
I, I mean, Millie Bobby Brown, anytime she's on screen and her, like, fellow characters, um, I wanted it to end. I just, <laughs> I, I pretty much, you can check your phone the whole time that they're on screen. You won't miss anything except, like, really cringy jokes and just, I don't know, man. I was really actually kind of let down by Godzilla vs. Kong because I've been told that it was like decent and I, I, I will say the fight scenes when they happen are pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like those are well filmed. I think Adam Wingard, I don't know if he's even responsible for that. I mean, they may have just hired Adam Wingard because, you know, when it comes to the human scenes, they just put like three characters on a neon light like backdrop and like film some really shitty jokes and then cg yeah. artists do everything else in the movie like th- this is a movie filled with like really cool cg visuals like i i think from a visual effects aspect this is a groundbreaking like amazing movie i just wish that we had that more in the spotlight and not all this boring like subplot shit and also i don't know I, I'm just kind of sick of the monster verse. I we've given it four films, and it hasn't really been all that great. Like, can we just stop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's. I mean, it's weird that you say that. I heard that the human subplots are actually bearable this go around, um, but from what you're saying, it sounds like they're just as bad. And I recently went back and rewatched a little bit of Godzilla, a little bit of Kong Skull Island, and a very little bit of King of the Monsters. Um, and King of the Monsters' human subplot is actually probably the worst shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, acting-wise, writing-wise, plot point-wise, like, I just remembered how much bullshit is in that movie. And, and you're talking, this is a movie about, you got... Rodon, you got King Ghidorah, you got Mothra, and, and a bunch yeah. of other like monsters that make their appearance in this movie, and yet you want to focus on Vera Farmiga screaming at Millie Bobby Brown and having parenting issues. Like that is so boring, and it makes me want to scream. Like, ugh. anyway, um, but after it's, it's... reviewing Kong Skull Island, I can say that. At least the human moments in Kong were probably the best out of the entire monster verse. Um, mm. You know, at least that I've seen. Because Kong Skull Island is actually, you know, I'm going to put forth the hypothesis. It's a pretty damn good blockbuster movie. It gives us pretty much everything you want. Like, Kong's on screen for a lot of that movie. And if it's not Kong, it's some other, like, cryptid, like, dinosaur that they're fighting, like, on the. Uh, island and it's very very entertaining you know there's only really one dead spot in that entire movie and it only lasts for like 20 minutes and it's towards the end um where they're like building the boat the raft and they're gonna leave um and then kong comes back and there's a huge like final fight and everything but i don't know i I never saw it i really i really never saw kong skull island and nothing about this movie's release made me want to go and watch it like I don't know. I didn't feel like I missed much. And and coming out of this movie, I've got to say, it doesn't feel like the events of previous movies matter, yet they do matter. Like, there's a lot of stuff set up in Godzilla King of the Monsters um, mm-hmm. that honestly is just explained away with a couple lines of dialogue in this movie. Like, this is, this is crazy, but it's a s- element of, of the movie that a lot of people are going to miss because it's brushed off right in the beginning. But Godzilla has gone around and murdered every um, monster featured in Godzilla King of the Monsters because he wants to be the apex. Like, even Mothra is dead now, apparently. Like, they just say that at the start of the movie. Like, oh, Godzilla killed all of the other titans, so we're good now. Just happens off screen. What the Um, What? (laughs) And then also off screen, a storm has gone to Skull Island. And killed everyone there except this one little girl from there. So Kong's not even on Skull Island anymore because off screen a terrible disaster happened to Skull Island in between movies. And that's also very weird. 
And also in between movies, Charles Dance, Tywin Lannister, who is like very prominently featured in Godzilla King of the Monsters and even right. like the post credit scene, they're teasing him, you know, screwing around with Ghidorah's head. He's mm-hmm. been replaced off screen with a very bland business guy. Like <laughs> there's a evil business guy subplot in this movie, which is so meaningless that like even when that subplot comes to an end, it just kind of like is in the snap moment and it doesn't matter. It's just to set up like one thing. Like, I honestly think this movie could have been a death sti- a death battle style video where you just have like, <laughs> you know, stats about Godzilla and King Kong and then throw him into a simulated fight and then one of them wins and cg artists do the whole movie and there's no human aspect i think that would have been an infinitely more entertaining movie but like for some reason we got to treat it like porn you know you got to have a plot to like get you invested in the yeah the action and it's never a very good plot you know just like it's just set up for the interesting tidbits the, the the monkey lizard porn, if you will. <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, I'm a little disheartened, but I'm still gonna go watch it in the theater. You should. You should. Um, might I recommend though a really good Godzilla movie um, to keep to maybe even compare Godzilla versus Kong to? Um, have you heard of Shin Godzilla? I have. I haven't watched it though. Yeah, this was the the only Japanese Godzilla movie that's come out in the last decade. And even that, it was like a 12-year gap between the last Japanese-released Godzilla movie and that one. So yeah. it's, it, it's kind of a soft reboot for the franchise, but I watched it because I really love the director, uh, Hideaki Anno, who does Neon Genesis Evangelion, which has got to be like one of the greatest animes of all time and he's just also a brilliant director um and it is so good um basically godzilla attacks japan like he did in the original godzilla movie and most of the movie is centered actually on like the government's response and just like all these different like uh bureaucratic decisions that have to be made when dealing with the disaster except now it's giant fucking monster and it's interesting as hell and it's it's really brutal on like not only the japanese government which is kind of infamous for being um a bit static when deciding things but also Uh on like the u.s you know all these countries that put so much foreign pressure on japan and exploit that country you know like the there's like so many scenes of this movie that are devoted to like the Japanese officials trying to get something done and the U.S. coming in and saying that they're just going to take it from there and making the situation worse somehow, which, like, we're known to do across the world. And it's just so crazy Uh to see a movie, you know, in Japanese with, like, English subtitles where suddenly, like, an American guy is, like, on screen talking in English and, like, the Japanese people are having to talk in English to him. And it's like, whoa, can't believe that's going on right now. (laughs) That's interesting. I need to I need to watch that. I, I really want to. Mm-hmm. It's on well, it's on YouTube and Amazon, but you can only do the English dub, which I think is really terrible. I oh, no. I don't really like watching foreign movies with the dub. Me so neither. what I did is I rented it, but then I went to a website where it was in Japanese with English subtitles. So I you know, there was no moral qualm there. I spent the money to support the movie and then <laughs> watch the torrent of it with the version I like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, dang, I'll have to check it out then. It's so good. And it, it really makes me think, like, America should stop trying to do Godzilla. You know, it, it's just so rooted in Japanese politics and their response to, like, being nuked that it's, it's futile like the country that did the nuking is stealing that character from them. It's 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 almost like cultural appropriation. Yeah. I mean, it's not really, but like it's just kind of tone deaf when we 
try and do Godzilla. Yeah. I mean, with the movies that have been released, I can't say that we've done it all that well, you know? Yeah. Other than Matthew Broderick's Godzilla. That one was pretty great. Oh, God. probably the best movie of all time, to be honest. You know, I remember watching that movie a lot when I was younger, thinking it was amazing. (laughs) Me too. I, I, I looked at, like, one shot from that movie the other day, and I, like, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> in the 90s should not have happened <laughs> yeah was it the was it the mini godzilla cracking out of the egg at the end oh yeah that's pretty gross but just godzilla's design in general is really awful in that movie it looks yes so why his snout look like that though <laughs> it's so... they want it looks like they wanted him to be like the tyrannosaurus rex from jurassic park yeah and not really like godzilla you know yeah it was Oh, it's a disgusting design, but, but yeah, um, I watched, uh, speaking of monster movies, let me tell you about a feminist film I saw. <laughs> Ooh, please. Go, segues very well, I guess. Not really. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, um, no, I, I, I watched this film and, and it's, I think it's like so, so amazing. I fell in love with it. It's called Desperately Seeking Susan. Have you heard of this? Oh, one? I've heard about this, but I I haven't seen it, and I'm not fresh on the story details. Um, it's got Madonna in it. Um, oh, and, and this is the '80s movie. Yeah, I think it's like yeah, it's like late '80s or early '90s. Um, okay, I only know about this because it's in the documentary Three Identical Strangers. Like the the three yes! identical strangers are in it. Yes. Um. And, and I forgot that they, this was the movie that they that one of the movies that they had a cameo in. Yeah, it was 1985. Yeah. And and uh, when I saw him there, I was like, oh, holy crap! It's it's them! It's it's them! And that's my that's my favorite documentary of all time. Is the three? I think I strangers. watched that in between in our hiatus, and I really loved that. I don't I don't know if I mentioned that on our last podcast, but that's yeah, a no, really great documentary. Yeah, anyway, dude, it's crazy. It, Speaking of insanely dark things, was was desperately seeking Susan? <laughs> uh, uh, no, um, but it's really uh, it's about this girl. Uh, her name is Roberta, right? And then Madonna's character is Susan, and Susan is having like this like she's in a relationship with this guy, and they put ads in the newspaper, um, in the. Uh, in the personal sections and it, and it's, it'll say desperately seeking Susan. And then he'll say like, or he or she, whichever one is putting in the personalized ad will put a location of where to meet up. And then they both read the newspaper and then they go and meet up and they have, uh, like a, you know, like I have the, uh, like a date. Basically they meet up, uh, to, to hook up or to go on a date. And it's cause the guy's like in a band that like travels around and she's like a drifter. So they have to put these you know ads in the newspaper every time they're back in town, uh, to meet up with each other. And Roberta is like this housewife who has a horrible husband. His name is Gary. He's a piece of shit. And she is like really bored all the time. So she decides to go to one of these meetup places to see them meet up and then accidentally, uh, gets caught, uh, like she bumps her head and loses her memory and thinks that she is Susan, like in a roundabout way. She ends up with Susan's jacket. She ends up, uh, meeting a guy that was supposed to meet Susan. And then she thinks her name is Susan. And so like the whole movie, like they both run around, like do the run around trying to find each other. And like, you, you really need to watch it. Like, I can't do it justice just talking about it because it sounds ridiculous when I say it. But the the Madonna's acting is really good. The chemistry between like all the characters pretty much is really good. It's really funny and the writing is super sharp. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I just really really liked it. Give it give it five stars. It's one of my new favorites. Whoa. Okay, yeah. man. That five star. You're just sitting yeah. on that. I'm just you sitting on that, man. talk about Godzilla versus Kong for fucking 30 <laughs> minutes. And you, were, you just had a five-star movie? Yeah. Oh, damn. Soundtrack slaps as well. It's got Madonna music. It's good. I do love Madonna. I, 
I'll I'll check that out. I mean, especially just for yeah. the scene with the with the triplets in it. Oh yeah, yeah. That scene's so weird. Uh, kind of like it just randomly happens, and I was like, wait a minute, I know them. <laughs> I mean, in but, the documentary, they talk about that. They're like, mm-hmm. we were just on the street, and they were filming a movie, and then they were like, oh my god, you're the triplets. Can we film you <laughs> in our movie? <laughs> and then they were in the movie. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, it, it works kind of with just how weird the movie is. Like, the the characters in the movie are all, like, you know, they're kind of like... They're almost caricature, caricatures, but they're not, you know? They're, they are real characters with, you know, good, um, like, character arcs and stuff and, like, personalities, but, like... Just the movie, it's just, there's some really weird characters in there. And they just kind of fit, you know. They're a little cameo. It kind of fits um, if you look at the movie as a whole. Yeah. But, okay. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be seeing that. What uh, Did you see anything else? Um, Nah. I rewatched A Bug's Life and Toy Story 2 and Monsters, Inc. Uh, with Adana. Um, oh, all, a few all nights considered ago and, golden and age, we, except Bugs Life, you know, doesn't usually get much love. You know, and I don't understand why it doesn't get much love, because it's one of my favorites. And re-watching it, you know, I can't really say there's any huge problems or flaws with it. I think it's a, like, you know, I mean, it's Pixar's second film they ever did, and it came out right after Ants, because... Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but Jeffrey Katzenberg used to work yeah. at uh, Pixar or with John Lasseter, and when he created DreamWorks, now he, he he was Disney's or Disney, president. yeah. He he's like in the role that Bob I- Bob Iger. Oh, was. never mind. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I'm not thinking of Jeffrey Katzenberg. I'm am I? I'm thinking of somebody different. Did Jeffrey yeah. Katzenberg leave and go to DreamWorks? Was that his name? Yeah, he did. He did. That okay, yeah. I just wanted to clarify that he wasn't. A Pixar guy. He was a Disney. Yeah, guy, he was and he Disney was guy. Initially there, when Disney acquired um, Pixar, but he left during the development of A Bug's Life. Like you know, yeah. at that point, like that idea was definitely out there, and he started DreamWorks and pumped out uh, Ants, Prince yeah. of Egypt, and Ants. And yeah. that's the controversy. Is like they're very similar sounding ideas but Mm -hmm. definitely very distinct movies and yeah i'm kind of surprised to say this i think i like ants a little bit more than i like a bug's life really yeah personally bug's life is just way better to me honestly i mean i can see the appeal of ants like i used to watch ants a lot yeah it's it's a pretty good animated movie but a bug's life to me is just leagues ahead i I think that A Bug's Life is kind of one of those lower tier Pixar movies. Like, I can definitely see why they thought they needed to course correct after it and, like, make Toy Story 2 the way it was, which Toy Story 2's development is, like, a whole oh, like, God. crazy story, too. Like, they yeah. accidentally deleted most yeah. of the movie. Yeah, they deleted point. 90% of Toy Story 2. <laughs> and also, that was one that John Lasseter left. You know, he was like, you guys go do Toy Story 2. I'm going to go work on other things. And then when he checked back in, he wasn't really pleased with the direction Toy Story 2 was going and like completely scrapped that script and, and wrote it all over again. All the, yeah. all the while, they were trying to meet like a very strict deadline on releasing that movie. And that's just crazy that yeah. Toy Story 2 is as good as it is. Like arguably the best of the trilogy or, or quadrilogy. Yeah, and it's the one that faced the most trouble. Like, God yeah. Damn. Hey, 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 Isaac. You know, pressure makes the diamonds. You know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would really like to dive into all the Pixar movies and like actually like since I'm me and Don are like rewatching them right now. Like we're kind of like going in order. We did we we skipped the first Toy Story because we've seen Toy Story one a million times. There's really nothing new we yeah. can catch in Toy Story. But we hadn't seen a Bug's Life and Toy Story two in quite a while. So we watched a Bug's Life, then Toy Story two, and then uh, we I think we're we're like halfway through Monsters Inc. Uh, 
right now, and that's my favorite one of all time. And I've seen it you know million million times, but I still enjoy watching it. And the next is Finding that's Nemo. Oh, um, Finding Nemo is one of yes. the best out there for sure. I yeah for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to do a Pixar episode in the future. Um, because yeah, that would be really great to do even like a ranking, you know? Cause yes. Like that's a very divisive um, category, you know, like with Marvel, yeah. people have like the, the best movies like picked, you know, like it's mm-hmm. pretty agreeable. Like, you know, Iron Man, Winter Soldier and like one of the Avengers movies are going to be in your top three. But with Pixar, I feel like everyone's is different, you know, it just depends yeah, on what definitely. you grew up with. And I read a whole ass book about John Laster. Um, and so I know like all the, the history of Pixar from like 1979 until uh, about 2000 and, uh, 2009. So I have a lot of information yeah. to share about John Laster and how Pixar came to be. And it's really interesting, actually. It's really interesting. It's just conveniently that knowledge ends right before the sexual misconduct allegations, you know? Yes. Yes. The, the book uh, doesn't go into the, the those allegations because the book was made before it was put out That's before what I the allegations. And, uh, and and then uh, and then after I read the book, our, my professor when I, I was it was the Disney course that I was taking last year, uh, we got in class and he was like, yeah. So he's like, uh, kind of a really a problematic uh, you know epilogue to the book y'all read. He's like, John Lasseter was basically me too. And I was like, no, <laughs> why? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It, it turns out no industry is safe from predators. Literally, we can't like we can't have anything, you know? Like not a not a not one damn thing. It's it's insane, but I don't Did know. you follow the uh the cinnamon toast crunch with shrimp saga? Yes. On oh my god, dude. That guy got me too. Also, which I mean, I'm when I use that verb, me too. You know, a lot of conservatives say that, and they mean it like, "Ugh, can't believe cancel culture got these people." Yeah. But I want to, I want to clarify with John Lasseter, and this guy, and in most cases of the Me Too movement, like it is very well deserved that yeah. these people got canceled and got, you know, their comeuppance. Really, mm-hmm. there are very, very few and specific cases where the the allegations, like are just blatantly false. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the fact of the matter is people do not just, like, make up crazy bullshit about celebrities to, like, get a... T- like, turning a fan base against you, you know, pretty mm-hmm. much putting yourself into a position where you're going to get so much hate. Like, that's not something that people do for attention, you know. That's something people who have to become very brave do. And mm-hmm. I think in, in John Lasseter's case, that had to be so scary, you know, a very beloved children's, like, animator, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, so many people grew up with his work. That has to be tough to come out against a guy like that. Yeah. And especially with shrimp. <laughs> I don't know about shrimp's Cinnamon Toast Crunch guy, but <laughs> I thought that was crazy, too, that, you know, there's not even, like, a, a Twitter um story that happens without like some form of cancellation i mean that happened with like bean dad this year too mm-hmm. i mean like not only was the bean dad story so bad but then they looked through his twitter and he saying the n-word and shit like that and it was like oh come on dude really yeah really dude <sighs> that's insane like yeah oh why do people have to be so shitty? I, I, and speaking speaking of like the Me Too movement, I watched a really interesting video uh, yesterday. Uh, we all make jokes about like Dan Schneider like being a predator, and then uh, but you know nothing like super like concrete evidence has come out against Dan Schneider. Um, but uh, I watched. Uh, do you ever watch the YouTube channel Blaming on Jorge? No. But did, is this video like twenty minutes, roughly? Yes. Is this docu- yeah. The okay. Dan I think I saw this. It popped up in my recommended, and I and I watched it, and it was like going into the history of Dan Schneider working at Nickelodeon and like 
previous like cases. Like, yeah, like the f- people the... he's worked with have been. Busted yeah, before yes, and, and then put back to work essentially. And there's that 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 whole theory that um yeah guys I'm gonna link this I'm gonna link this video in the description um if uh on the on the YouTube link because y'all really need to go watch it. it's really interesting and the guy the guy who did this his channel he he does a lot of like lost media. Uh, like videos and documentaries about really weird like internet conspiracies is really good at it does some does a lot of research and they're really good but this Dan Schneider video um, there's like this whole uh, website where people where this guy runs it and he like basically reports on like which celebrities are about to be exposed next Uh, do you remember that part of the video and how there's like this user called him with like four M's and people were basically had a theory that it was Robert Downey Jr. on the yes. site. That that is that's it, bizarre. I know, dude. But yeah, I don't know. I'll link the video in the description. Y'all need to go give this a watch. It's super crazy. If you don't believe that Dan Schneider's a pedophile, you will after you watch this video. I guarantee you. Like the evidence and the and the circumstances are just too. Um, I don't know. It's it's too weird, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, man, that it's kind of a <laughs> downer ending, you know. Touching on predators, but unfortunately, they they're a big part of the film industry. They apparently. are very big, sadly. Here, I'll end it on a good note. Mortal Kombat comes out in like a week, baby. Like That's April, exciting. April thirteenth or something like that. I'm excited oh for gosh. Mortal Kombat, dude. I'm so pumped. That's going to be... I hope it's going to be really good. It would be It would yeah. be nice to have a win, especially in that franchise. It really deserves one. I, yeah. saw, I saw someone on Twitter complaining that it's under two hours, and they were like, oh my gosh, it needs, it needs more time to develop these characters. This isn't like a monkey and a lizard fighting each other. They really <laughs> need more time. I'm and I'm like, myself. you know, most movies aren't four hours long, and most movies <laughs> can like effectively convey character arcs within a shorter runtime. Literally, it's like efficiency. Zack Snyder doesn't have efficiency. Like Justice League is not the basis on which all movies should be made. Like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Adam, it pissed me off. Adam Wingard, the director of Godzilla vs Kong, was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I have like a five-hour." cut out there in the world of godzilla versus kong and i cannot imagine wanting anyone oh to suffer through that like i i feel like eyeballs should be ripped out if that yeah. movie were to like be <laughs> pushed in front of me listen five hours why are okay so i've heard there's like this new trend now that since Zack snyder put out his thing like there's like a newer trend that pe- directors would be like, oh yeah, you know, I have a, I have a twelve hour cut um, of Clerks, like just laying around there. And like the Russo brothers said, their original cut of Endgame was six fucking hours. What? Mm. Jesus. What? Dude, like Hollywood, like is the reason that Hollywood budgets are so freaking high is because they give them enough money to go out and shoot a fucking eight hour film, and then they cut it down to two hours, like. That, that's, that's just insanity. Maybe... I don't know. I don't uh, know if I could sit through a six-hour cut of Endgame. I don't think that's necessary. No, me either. But I then think again, it's fine as is. I think it's fine as is. It's three hours. But then again, you know, I remember I was listening back to the podcast episode before the the Snyder Veggie Tales uh, episode, and we I, we did say I said that the four-hour cut we said it sounded like torture. And that we would not be watching it, or that I would not be watching it. And then immediately came out, and I went over to your house and watched it in one sitting. And it, I so, still stand by, like, the four hours went by really fast. For I mean, that was yeah. a pretty entertaining four hours for me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I can't, I can't say anymore that I won't sit down and watch something, you know. There's like a gotcha. nine-hour like nine documentary about called Shoah about the the uh, Nazi uh, camps, um, the death camps that I really want to watch. 
Um, oh my god, yeah, that sounds fucking intense, though. Yeah, hell? it's literally just the guy and his like small film crew going to I think Auschwitz or one of the one of the death camps and just filming it and talking about it and like oh god. seeing the town around it and stuff. It it's it's a, it's won a bunch of awards. It's like really important in the scope of film history, but it's nine hours long and uh, sounds tough to watch. Um, What's it called again? It's called Shoah. S-H-O-A-H. Well, anyway, I think that's all the time we have today for nine-hour documentaries. But um, (laughs) you will be excited to learn that this podcast is just going to go on for another 11 hours. Um, It's going to be a lot of background noise. So, in fact, Casey, let's just leave this one running. You know, whatever people hear, they'll hear. Okay. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, see you uh, around, dude. Yep. See you, man. All right. See everybody later. Oh, man, I've got a monster piss to take. This is going to be epic.